say my name until the city burns and the stars fade away and your scars don't hurt i will hold you till the sun comes crashing down i'm yours until the end of time hey everyone welcome to the restored to more podcast a listener supported podcast that is dedicated to restoring marriages to wholeness in christ after being affected by pornography and sexual brokenness After betraying charity with pornography and unwanted sexual behavior, we had no idea how to rebuild our relationship or even if it was possible to restore what was broken. Today, by God's grace, we have learned how to connect again, laugh again, and rebuild spiritual, emotional, and sexual intimacy to an even greater experience than before. Our goal is that as you hear our story, the stories of others, and the knowledge needed to heal, you too can have a marriage that is becoming restored to more. I'm yours until the end of time. Update everyone. Course one registrations are back open. Whoop, whoop. This is an eight week course starting Thursday, September 14th. That is designed to help you and your spouse start the journey to becoming restored to more. It will be led by R2M certified coaches, Cody and Michelle Larson. We will be focusing on how to cultivate safety and trust, healthy communication, deal with triggers, and begin to discover how God can use crisis to create closeness. You can see all the details on our website and can register today at www.restoredtomore.com slash courses. Also, if you have appreciated this podcast, a great way to say thank you is leaving a five-star rating and a positive review. These reviews help more people find the podcast and experience hope and healing. Say my name until the city. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Restored Tomorrow. We are so excited for you to get to know our guest today, Jeff Stewart. So Jeff Stewart is a licensed marriage and family therapist and relationship coach with over 20 years of experience. He is the co-author of Love You, Hate the Porn, Healing a Relationship Damaged by Virtual Infidelity, the host of the podcast From Crisis to Connection, and the creator of the Trust Building Bootcamp online program. He specializes in helping couples heal and rebuild trust from the impact of betrayal, including addiction, abuse, affairs, and abandonment. He maintains a private practice in beautiful Southern Utah, has been married for over 25 years, and he and his wife are the parents of four children. Welcome, Jeff. So glad you're here, man. Thank you for coming. Guys, yeah, thanks for having me. It's so good to be here. Well, first of all, I love your um, your terminology. I've never heard of this before, but virtual infidelity, mm. because Clinton and I, we always say like, yeah, um, our slogan actually prior was from infidelity to intimacy. And a lot of people mm. would be like, oh, did he, you know, have an it had to cross the flesh line yes. in that terminology almost. That's right. That's right. And so I love that you put virtual infidelity because that's what we call it, but we don't really, we haven't really coined yeah. it that word before. And a lot of people are confused and they, yeah, they, they're just, they just don't understand. They're like, how is that cheating? Yeah. How did you come up with that terminology and, and what does that mean to you? Yeah. I'll give credit to my co-author on that, Mark Chamberlain. Um, we wrote that book back in 2009, 2010, and he came up with that term because we ran into the same exact thing. A lot of people, mm-hmm. um, you know, pre-internet infidelity was, you know, sexual intercourse of some kind, but, but then, you know, you've got Bill Clinton back in the 90s, who's just like, well, it really wasn't sex. And I mean, so the lines just kept getting fuzzier and fuzzier. And then you enter the Internet and it's just it feels like cheating mm-hmm. to anybody. You know, for a lot of the women I've worked with over the years, Mark and I, and they they feel like they're like, oh, it's, in some ways it felt worse to a lot of these women because they feel like, well, with 
you know, with, with a live affair, you have just one person that, you know, you've been unfaithful, but I, you know, you've got thousands of women mm-hmm. that you've seen or connected with in this virtual way. So what is it? It felt the same. So we gave it that name. Mm. Wow. I'm grateful because it validates the pain. Yeah. Where people are like, how come you're hurting so bad? I'm like, well, because it feels like he's been cheating on me oh, forever it's just, and it's just over it's and over and over again. sex, right? Is what people would even say to exactly. minimize that and invalidate it. Well, and we, we also know sort of like um, physiologically that the body really can't tell the difference. You're having a sexual response. You're having an arousal to an image. And so it's, the body's basically tricked into believing that it's, it's a live person. So, um, and the betrayal goes the same way. Like a partner is also feeling a lot of the same pain. And some women will tell me things like, um, you know, I've, I ran women's groups for a lot of years and some women would kind of compare and be like, well, you know, um, I would much rather have my husband look at pornography and the women whose husbands had looked at tons of pornography were like, actually, I would have rather he just, you know, had done something with one person. And so it's just, yeah. the pain is the same for all. Yeah. That's been my experience. You really wow. can't compare. Wow. It all hurts. Wow. Well, Jeff, what I'd love to do is, is ask you a few questions about your focus because you have such a niche focus with helping couples rebuild, come back and build trust, build connection. What was the inspiration that started you along that path versus just being a sex therapist or you know just dealing with addiction? What made you focus on the coupleship? Well, the, the biggest reason is because once you've done a lot of the individual recovery work, you've got a, uh, two people who basically still want to find each other mm. and, and oftentimes don't have a clue how to bridge that back together. You can have people that, um, you know, um, start off and have a really strong individual recovery. He's working really hard or on, on addiction recovery or trying to become faithful again. And, and she's working on healing her trauma, but then they kind of face each other and they both sort of panic and trigger again, mm. almost like, how am I supposed to get close to you? The stakes feel so high. I'm not really sure how to do mm. this. And so a lot of the times the couples just end up existing in this parallel universe where they basically just go through life to healthy individuals. And it's tragic because they don't really know how to create what I believe is their greatest privilege, which is to bond and connect and feel close to each other in a way that looks nothing like they did before because they were, they were so disconnected before. So that's the magic for me is to take two people that have been restored and, and then restore the relationship because that's the gold standard. That's what we want. I mean, we don't get married to live parallel. Wow. So good. Yeah. You're literally sharing like the heartbeat of restored tomorrow. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> because I mean, we were two individuals who were on our own recovery journey, but feeling left triggered in our relationship and mm. feeling like men, the women in my recovery group and the men in his recovery group, like, yes, maybe they were sober and, um, in that area. But when it came down to like their marriage, it for us, it was like, we don't really want to emulate their marriage because it's just existing. And we wanted to have a thriving marriage. Like I'm not going to go through all this unless we have a thriving marriage. Yeah. Like, cause exactly. this was, this was a lot of stinking work. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you're exactly right. Um, and I had I had done like when I started my career, um, I actually started working with couples because I I started out as a play therapist working with children for the first four or five years, and I I just always felt like I wanted to get my hands on the parents because mm-hmm. I'm like you get a strong marriage, you get a strong family, mm-hmm. and then I started working with the parents, and then all of a sudden I realized that a lot of these couples that had gone through deeper stuff, people weren't coming into marriage counseling to just fine tune their marriage. They weren't mm-hmm. coming in 
trying to just kind of do some garden variety stuff. They were coming in bleeding out. It was mm-hmm. like, a, it was like marriage ER all the time, mm-hmm. marriage ICU. And so I had to learn how to work with these couples. And, and that just evolved over the years into, into focusing on this stuff, because th- this is, this is probably, I don't know. I don't have any statistics on this, but in my, my observed experience, um, betrayal, infidelity, things like that, this is a really hard thing for couples to come back from. Mm. Um, and everybody around them says, dump him, dump her. You know, yeah. it's once a cheater, always a cheater. You can't fix this. And I'm just like, nope, not true. Wow. Not true. You can fix it. Well, let's talk about that for a minute, Jeff. So I think again. that's so common, right? People, I mean, even Charity and I, we had family that was like, well, at what point do you leave him? And what does that look like? And then we, we jump right to the end of the story. Like, what's it going to look like? So can you share with us? Some just maybe a couple stories of hope, obviously without mentioning people's names, but like what's happened as people have gone through your different programs? What are some testimonies of of these couples? Like, have they actually been restored? Are they thriving today, or are they just still living as roommates in one house? Like, what what is happening for couples that you think are engaging in that process of healing? Yeah, it's such a great question. Um, yeah, I'm the most hopeful guy on the block. I'll tell you, I I'm not I'm not ignorant or oblivious to the fact that this is some of the most gut-wrenching work people will do, but people need to know that there's hope. People need to know that it's possible. Mm -hmm. And I love that you guys are standing here as an example of what's possible and that you're doing your own work and and you're sharing that message as well. And here's the thing, in my experience, and I'll I'll just sort of give you like an overview of the journey I see for most of the couples I work with, the ones that really build strong marriages. It starts off with, with the, in most, most of the couples I work with, are guys that betray their wives. Mm-hmm. Now I do work with, I have a lot of women that come in who have, who have messed up, cheated on their husbands and stuff like that. But for today's example, we'll just talk about the guy, a guy comes in, a couple comes in and, and he's blown it. He's cheated on her has an addiction, whatever, any of those things. The first thing I do is really make it clear that we do not have a level playing field in terms of what their job descriptions are going to be, what they're going to be working on. We're not just going to come in and just work together on communication skills or just try and be a better couple together because there is no couple. Mm. In that moment, the relationship has been fractured to where she's not sure there's even a marriage to speak of. He's not acted married. He's not been a partner. He's had a secret life or he's been living you know, his own parallel universe. And so there has to be a restoration of, of basically putting them both on equal ground as partners so they can then go forward and work on this. Mm-hmm. But, but the couple's work starts really with his individual accountability. That's his, his deep responsibility is to get honest, get truthful, and, and really help her see who she's married to and where, where, this, where this relationship has been all this mm-hmm. time. That's a process that, that takes months for a lot of couples. You'd think that'd be easy just to sit down and just kind of describe what, what's gone on the last few months or years, but there's so much denial and fear and shame and all kinds of stuff that gets in the way of that, mm-hmm. that it can often make things worse if you don't get some structure with that. And then, and then her job is equally as important, which is to take care of herself, get grounded, get settled, uh, get support um, so that she doesn't do or say things that she regrets mm-hmm. and that she doesn't end up making decisions about the relationship in a state of trauma. Mm -hmm. Um, That's a really hard thing to ask because 
it's so easy just to be reactive. I mean, you've seen, mm-hmm. we see examples where a lot of people cheer these, these women on where they'll go rent a billboard and totally publicly shame their husband or they'll go out and spread all this stuff or, or she'll do something violent. And the truth is, is that most of these women that are doing stuff that are in so much trauma, they, they actually in their, in their more grounded, steady mind would never want to do those things. They mm-hmm. just don't know what else to do. It really speaks to how powerless these women feel. And so we want to surround them with support and, and stability. And then that couple eventually starts to kind of get their bearings, get their emotional balance back. And then we can start having them take little risks and open up mm-hmm. and start to use um, the relationship as a way to create strength. Because the truth is he's a source of pain to her, but he's also a source of comfort. Mm-hmm. She's a source of pain to him because her pain, her hurt hurts him, right? He's he like makes him feel like a loser but she's also a source of comfort when she starts to respond and feel better. So they were starting to learn how to regulate each other's bodies and emotions and spirits and their, their thoughts. And, and you start to learn how to synchronize that and work mm-hmm. with that. And couples discover a level of connection that they've never had. Mm-hmm. Now I just fast forwarded about a year or two's worth of work <laughs> into about a two minutes, but, but that's the, that's the trajectory. That's the roadmap and couples can do that. And they do that. I think we need that though. We need, that light at the end of the tunnel, because mm-hmm. it is a dark, dark tunnel. Mm-hmm. And it can feel sometimes like that light is barely there. And I think couples even wonder, is there even a light at the end of this? Mm-hmm. Are we actually going to get anywhere that is hopeful and where we are glad we made it through? Mm-hmm. And you had a quote on your Instagram that even I think was, uh, I forget who it was by, but it basically said that couples in recovery or a person in recovery is a great spouse for a long time because of the benefits of recovery. Mm. And, and you have a ton of amazing quotes on your Instagram. I would recommend any listener to go on there and just be inspired by like oh, all these different people who have said these words of wisdom. Um, and I'm just, I just think that's so true. Like, and we need that hope so much yeah. because it's what gets us by the day to day work on a regular basis. And I just love you sharing that. Appreciate that. Yeah. It's so true. The, the people that go through recovery, both again, the one who's been unfaithful, the one who's been betrayed, when they really dig in and do that work, they become reinforced. Mm. And it's not just held together with sort of duct tape and bailing wire. We're just hoping it holds together. I mean, these people are stripped down to the studs. We're putting new anchor bolts in. I mean, it is, it is not going to move. And, and I'm like, who wouldn't want to be married to somebody like that? Like that? Mm. I mean, you don't even know you're getting that when you're first dating or engaged Mm. to somebody. You don't know what, I mean, most of us, it's like a huge gamble. We really have no idea, but it's, it's like, once you've seen this thing stripped down and you've, it's been restored from the ground up together, you know how it's built Mm -hmm. and you know exactly what it took. And, um, to me, there's a lot more confidence in that. And that's really what it is. Trust is about confidence. It's about, it's about knowing what you've got and knowing that it's going to hold and couples need that reassurance. And then they can focus on being great neighbors and parents and, and doing so much good in the community and the world, like you guys are doing. I mean, you can just do all that when you're not monitoring the safety of your relationship Mm -hmm. all the time. That's Mm -hmm. exhausting. Mm -hmm. It is. We talk about that all the time. Recovery is exhausting. I mean, there would be days where Clinton and I would just like veg at home all day long and be like, I'm tired, even though we got a good amount of sleep, but it was because Mm -hmm. we're constantly working on ourselves and then constantly like trying to, you know, rekindle the relationship and me be there for him and him be different. So it was just, it's a lot. It's a very draining process when you're in the thick of it. Like you can't focus on anything else. Yeah. You know, Jeff, I wanted to comment or ask a question rather you, 
you had said that was a one to two year process. I think some people are defeated by the numbers that are out there. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. That it's like a seven to fifty year process, mm-hmm. you know, and you nearly never no. hear all these things. From from your experience, of course, there's so many variables. Like I, I know we got to yeah. say, like if there is deep trauma, if there is wounding, if there is physical abuse. I mean, come on, mm-hmm. it's gonna, yep. it's going to take longer and longer based off mm-hmm. the depth of the trauma. But for a couple that has had his, I don't want to say the word just, but for the couple that has been involved in internet infidelity and, and pornography and only that and hasn't crossed the flesh line, what, what would you say has been your experience working with those couples if they both show up and are both willing to do the work mm. of recovery and restoration? What does that look like? Oh, it, it, I think it definitely... Um you know, it doesn't have to go on for seven to 50 years, as you put it like it. Um, again, if, if you've got somebody who's actively working on uh, transparency, ownership, accountability, and putting good boundaries in place, making lifestyle changes, telling their story, and, and they're, they're both working hard to get their emotional balance back. Um, you know, you can see, you can see the couple starting to feel relieved and secure again mm. within months. Now, let me, let me tell you, like, um, there's sort of this idea that like, well, we'll just work on us or I'll just work on me and then we'll work on the couple relationship, you know, in a few years when, when we're ready. Yeah. And that used to be the old way of thinking. When I first started training in this back in 2005, 2006, that was sort of the common like line. And, and everybody believed yeah. like you can't do couples work unless both people have done their full recovery work individually. And um, in 2009, when I started training with Sue Johnson and her group and doing attachment-focused therapy, I started to realize that the, the couples I was working with, um, within one or two sessions, we started to see they started to stabilize a little bit more mm-hmm. whenever we started to help him realize that he could be a source of comfort to his wife, even though he had just run her over with mm-hmm. these secrets. Wow. That, that him telling the truth, that him caring about her feelings, him initiating, that there was that longing for her to feel secure she could grab onto even that little thread and that was enough to help her keep her balance. And then, and then she would, you know, acknowledge that she appreciates him telling the truth. And then that would give him a little balance. And then they start to help each other. It's neither person's responsibility to fix the other. Mm. I'll just put that in concrete. Like Mm. you have to do your own work, but there is this co-regulatory effect that I think it's ignored. And when you know how to work with it and you, and you, and you know how to like really work with, the power there that's going on that's already built into the relationship, mm-hmm. then you just have this incredible opportunity to help the couple heal and accelerates their healing so much better. Wow. Yeah. Can you talk about that a little bit more? Um, I know before we dived into the interview, we were talking about your focus being an attachment focus. Um, can you share yeah. with our listeners kind of what that is and um, how you use that for the benefit of the couple? Oh, sure. Yeah. So there's, I mean, th- this is, this is probably, um, you know, this could be five episodes, but I'll, but I'll basically say that we're all born with, um, you know, in, instinctively, reflexively, just innately with this deep drive to have another person regulate our bodies and emotions. I mean, we mm. see this when babies are born, mm. they stick them on the parent's skin and it's not something the baby asks for. It's just, we mm. just do it. And we never outgrow that. We never outgrow the need for another person to regulate us. And, you know, there's sort of this American, I don't know, sort of 
um, tradition of like, well, the strongest people don't need other people, right? You see this in superhero movies. You see this everywhere where it's like the lone maverick is the healthiest mm. independent person. It's a myth. Mm. The healthiest people are a mix of independence and dependence. Mm. They, they have this balance where they can be themselves, but they still need other people. And boy, if COVID d- didn't teach us anything, it was certainly that. I mean, if that was the one lesson, mm. right, that we all needed to learn is that we need other people. And and so in, re- in recovery, uh, when we're trying to help couples heal, you got to realize that the person that's been reaching out for pornography, for example, they are reaching out to that as a way to regulate their emotions mm. and their bodies. And, and so that's a counterfeit. It leaves them with nothing. Wow. Where compared to when I reach out to a human, um, it has the same effect in terms of helping me feel like I'm seen, noticed, cared about, loved. But then there's no there's no bad side effects with that. In fact, mm. it's just all good. Mm. But the tricky part is that humans are super unpredictable and unreliable. Mm. Yeah. My wife might be in a bad mood that day. She might, you know, she might have uh, her own needs. Imagine that, right? She might have mm. other preferences or things going on. And where an addiction or some other counterfeit attachment never asks anything of me. Mm. And so mm. it becomes much more powerful as a co-regulator. And so the goal of attachment work is really to teach people how to move away from these fake regulators, these, these counterfeit regulators, and turn toward humans and learn how to do that. And, you know, if you've had trauma in your background, you've, had, you've been burned by your family of origin, you didn't have people love you or pay attention to you. Um, or you've just been so steeped in pornography or gambling or shopping or whatever your addiction is that you have a hard time trusting that people can be relied on. Mm. It's quite a journey to get to the place where you can turn to another human because Mm. the stakes feel so high. Yeah. Wow. So good. Wow. I love that. And so talk to me about that, Jeff. How does that differ from other models that are out there? Um, Again, we're not saying that there are issues with other models. I think every model brings a different piece of the puzzle, whether it's community driven or it's understanding the trauma that, but I think it's good for our listeners to understand there are multiple models out there in case Mm -hmm. one isn't working. Maybe we can understand what that looks like and why that is. So how does this model differ from the other main ones that are out there? I mean, you said that, but what are the other ones I guess that other people turn to? Maybe they realize this one kind of fits in the gap. Yeah. Well, um, I think that, I think that the idea of attachment to me is, is, I mean, as a model is really just, you can fit all kinds of other models inside of the attachment model. Mm -hmm. So attachment model to me is really just about how we're wired as humans. And so if I'm going to work on, you know, um, like for example, a trauma informed thing that fits right into the attachment stuff, because trauma is really about disconnection, powerlessness, um, and so you can stabilize somebody who's been traumatized or trying to grow from trauma, you know, even mental illness, they found in studies that people with severe mental illness where, you know, they've been treatment resistant with medications and other things like that, um, knowing how to connect them to other people and have reliable, trustworthy ways to find closeness and connection helps them improve their, their mental illness, which people thought was, you know, incurable, even wound clinics when, there's people are healing from serious injuries or wounds or heart issues. Their, their treatment um, uh, outcomes are so much better when they're connected to other people, mm. when they have even just handholding from their loved one or our wow. bodies physiologically actually heal better when we're connected. Mm. Um, and they, they, we see measurable differences. So you take any model of psychological healing, 
recovery, whether it's 12 step or other things like that. I mean, 12 step is an attachment based at the core. You know, you think about Bill W in the thirties sitting together with a bunch of other men that struggle with alcohol and they didn't have a workbook or any kind of protocols. Yeah. They just sat together in a room mm-hmm. and they start co-regulating each other mm-hmm. and they start saying, yeah, me too. And they're nodding their heads and they're making eye contact and they're all of a sudden they're not alone anymore. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they all of a sudden like start getting better and they're, yeah. they stop drinking as much. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. even without really understanding it, when you put people together and you start to, uh, you start to privilege relationship and connection, mm-hmm. you're, you're dealing with attachment theory and that'll, that'll organize any model, even cognitive stuff. You know, yeah. there's, there's so, just, so I, I use all kinds of models and, and tips and tricks and techniques and other things just to kind of work with people. You know, after 20 years, you get a big toolbox, mm-hmm. but the overarching sort of like theme is I'm always looking for a way to find connection, mm-hmm. find some way to bond people together. That's so good, man. We could talk, we could definitely have you on a few times on the mm-hmm. podcast. That'd be sure. I'm sure our listeners would like that too. You know, I think since we're talking about attachment, what we, what we face a lot with couples that are going through our groups or are reaching out for coaching is that we so long to be connected to our spouse, but there isn't safety built into the relationship yet. And so the guy wants his yeah. wife to understand him and feel him and, and be proud of him for going to these recovery groups or do the work he's doing. And the wife so bad wants empathy right away. And the guy's like, I'm working <laughs> through childhood trauma. I'm a mess. And, mm. And I don't know if you could speak to that. Just these couples who are like, man, right. what you're saying, Jeff, it connects. I get it. Yes, I love my wife. I love my husband. They are a source of comfort. So how do we create, what's the, you know, in a snippet, how do we just release that for a little while, also work on it, but not make it our primary goal in the beginning until we build some trust and safety back in the relationship? I'll answer that with a story. When my son, yeah, he's like in his 20s now, but when my son was uh, 15, he was a lacrosse player and he was, uh, you know, just being like a totally brain dead teenager at the time. And he was swinging his lacrosse stick around the living room, like a madman, right? Like William Wallace style, just swinging it around <laughs> thinking he's some big warrior. And his little, um, his little five-year-old sister is standing right there, totally innocent, you know, innocent bystander. And he just whaps her right in the face Whoa. with the lacrosse basket, with the basket right there. It's plastic, you know, it's just stings. And so she starts screaming and crying and he's looking over at me. I'm in the kitchen. He's looking over at me going like, what did I do? I didn't mean to. And he's like trying to defend himself to me. Right. Yeah. And I just said, I had, this is one of those good parenting moments. You know, you don't always have these moments, but you, you, you talk about them on podcasts. You need to share it. So, you need to share that's it. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You get it. <laughs> so I, I had the clarity of mind in that moment to say to him, I said, son, um, get down on your knees and look her in the eyes. I level. And I want you just to say to her, Miri. I hit you in the face with the lacrosse stick. Just acknowledge that you just did that. Don't apologize. Just acknowledge it. So he kneels down and he says, Mary, I hit you in the face with a lacrosse stick. And she's all, yeah, you did. And then she walks off and plays. And she was fine. That's all wow. it took. Wow. And I, I, I love that example because when we can enter into somebody's reality and mm. basically just align with it and just say, yeah, that really happened. Yeah, I looked at pornography. Yeah, you caught me. Yeah, I did that. And there's no but mm. or I'm so sorry. Will you forgive me? I'm not asking anything of them. I'm not doing anything other than just acknowledging their reality. Mm. That's where you start. And so if a guy's listening to this and he's just like, I can't get my wife to calm down. She's freaking out all the time. My question is, have you basically gotten on eye level with her? In other words, entered her world at her level and just said, 
yeah, I did all that. Absolutely. What you experienced is exactly what I did. And, and just own it and just shut your mouth after that and just sit with it and just hold it because all the talking after that is to make you feel better. Mm. And, and the thing is, is your job is to help her feel better. Mm. Your job is to create comfort. So you're now you're extending comfort and security to her because now she doesn't feel crazy because she's not sitting around going like, did that happen? Did that not happen? Was I overreacting? I care about this person, but I don't want to make it worse. Or it feels bigger than it is. Is it really right? You, you shut down all the mind chatter. And it just kind of goes like, yeah, now we're both on the same page. We both see exactly what happened. Mm. And when you can start with that, and I get that I'm oversimplifying this a bit, but, but the principle is let's start with truth. Let's mm. start with acknowledging what really happened and stay there. Just hold there. Right? Like on Star Wars, shooting the Death Star, like steady, hold <laughs> it, steady. Don't move. Don't freak out. Stay in the tunnel. It's scary. You feel like you're going to get shot in the back. Stay there. Hold it. Mm. that's what I want guys to do. Just hold there. Mm. So many guys will bounce out of that trench. They'll just be like, Nope, I can't do it. I got to pull out. This is awful. Mm. It's like, no, stay right there because the thing, and then it's a bad metaphor because things blow up, but like, but you get what I'm saying. Like yeah. it's, it's yeah. the idea. The tension is so real in that moment. And then for betrayed partners, when they're receiving that a lot of the times they're like, well, is it true? He's lied to me mm. so many times before, whatever, you know, if you both can just slow down and just take that in and just kind of sit in the truth of like, okay, this really happened. Let's just face it. Let's just sit here and take this in. I've got somebody who's willing to acknowledge the truth. I've got somebody who's willing to hear the truth. There's a little bit of a calming effect there. It may be, you know, a two out of 10, but it's better than zero out of 10. And we start with just looking for any ways that you can start to calm things down with the truth. Mm. Wow. That was such a good analogy. I'm really glad you shared that. Do you feel like that's why so many uh, different therapists start with a full disclosure of just talking about the truth and what was done and just kind of laying it on the table? What is your perspective of the of the disclosure importance in the um, in the healing part for a couple? Yeah, it, yeah. So in my my method, I mean my my online boot camp that I do, I, I have guys do the full disclosure. I, I walk them through how to do that. I do encourage them to work with somebody to help them do it. I don't. To me, it's not a great do it yourself type thing. It's something that you need some accountability for. Yeah. Um, but I do try and have them. I, I I think it's like module six or seven. It's like halfway through my twelve week program. And so the first part is a lot about just stabilization, keep people getting their balance. But I but I do feel like it needs to come in early in the process. You don't want to wait, you know, six months or a year. That's a lot to ask to like, find out what the truth is to find out what your reality is. And so if, if we can start, what, what I'll do is I'll meet with, you know, I'll meet with a couple and I'll start talking to the, the person who broke the trust and I'll, I'll basically say, okay, like right out the gate here, you know, after session one or two, you're going to start writing your story down. I mean, the 12 steps, you know, it, it gets in step four, I think. Right. And then but even step one and two and three are really about even just facing your own story. Yeah. And then four is really about starting to write it down. So there's, there's, you know, a lot of collective wisdom through the ages of recognizing we've got to look at the truth, both. I mean, I think it's helpful uh, for the relationship, obviously to tell the truth, but I think there's so much benefit in each one of us, regardless of, of what we've done is just being honest about our own stories. Brene Brown talks about that, right? Owning our story is painful, but not as painful as running from it. And so 
Um, so even just practicing, telling it, looking at it before you ever tell another person is something a lot of people with secret lives never do. Mm. And so there's a huge benefit just in that. Yeah. So So good. good. Well, that's a great segue. We were just going to ask you to talk about the different stuff you've created again, 20 plus years in the space. Mm. You have probably, I imagine been sitting there going, man, what can I create? that's really going to help these couples. What can I produce that's going to promote recovery and restoration in the relationship. So why don't you tell us yes about the 12 week boot camp, and also about the other resources that you've created that are, they can, our listeners can find on your website. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely committed to just giving away as much free content as I can. So I've started a podcast three years ago and I've got over hundred episodes. And so I'm talking on there with amazing guests, people like you guys, others just talking about um, all kinds of recovery principles. So if you're like, I don't know, I'm not ready to buy anything yet. Fine. Just go on my website and get on the podcast and just listen. There's so much great stuff. I've written a weekly relationship column for 15 years, question, answer. People send me questions. I answer them. And then like you said, on my Instagram, my Facebook, I just take snippets from those and put them in my, my feed there because there's just a lot of great stuff. And sometimes a quote or a thought or a, you know, an answer to somebody's question can make all the difference for, you know, just making a small adjustment and change the trajectory of your life. And so I just want people to have good information. I've been benefited so much by generous people who have shared and mentored me. And so I, I want to give back, but yeah, I do. I do. You know, it does cost money to produce stuff and to, and to share and to go deep with people. And so I have created uh, an online 12 week boot camp. Um, the biggest, the biggest reason I created this is because so many people that are working through this process, they sort of just skip past the trust building part. It's almost like, let's just get back to closeness. or let's just put it back together and make it look, make it feel and look like it used to, which Mm -hmm. is we're just living our lives, cooking dinner together, hanging out, you know, just living our lives. I'm just so tired of like hurting. Mm -hmm. And so they'll just basically kind of like wax a dirty floor. They'll just Mm -hmm. kind of put the sheen on it and just move on. And, and a lot of people feel like, you know, don't look back, don't look behind. Let's just keep moving forward. Be positive. And I just think that there's um, a huge missed opportunity there because the whole time, again, like we talked about, you're monitoring, is this thing really going to hold together? Are we really safe together? Yeah. So I created the boot camp really specifically for the person who broke the trust, mm-hmm. for them to, to, to take it on their shoulders and to do the heavy lifting early on and just say, I've got a responsibility to, to really restore and put back together some major building blocks. But obviously, I'm an attachment therapist, so I'm also um, in the course. I do have some some work and some things to help the betrayed person start to wake up. And you know, in the later modules, I get into sex and intimacy and other things like that to help the couple start to come together. But I also recognize that there needs to be a, a component for betrayed partners, and I'm in the middle right now filming a betrayal trauma recovery course for betrayed partners. Wow. That'll be just as big as the other one. And we'll come with some community aspects and some other things. Cause I want both people to have resources, but have it all be attachment informed. Mm. So the whole time they know they're going to be coming back to their partner. Mm. It's not going to be just a, a destination of being the healthiest individual in the loneliest marriage. That's mm. not what we're going for here. So yeah, so that's, that's that course and it's online and, and people can pick it up anytime. Um, and it's, it's helped a lot of people. It's uh, mm. you know, people start following the modules and start going through it and they're, they're able to see, you know, I can do a lot on my own to help my relationship, even though my partner may not be talking to me or might be scared or doesn't trust me. I can do a lot to create conditions. It's really mm. a, a course about conditions. Mm. And then your partner has a has a better sense of maybe 
what they're choosing into instead of just taking your word for it. They're starting to experience you differently. That's the goal. Wow. Jeff, real quick, we're going to tag all those different uh, websites and Instagram, all of that on the show notes. But just for those that are only listening, what's the website? Can you just spell that out for us so that listeners can go to that? Yeah, it's super easy. It's just uh, go to fromcrisistoconnection.com. Fromcrisistoconnection.com. Awesome, Mm -hmm. Jeff. Well, man, this has been an incredible time. Did you want to say anything else, Charity? No, just thank you so Mm. much. Um, I'm just super blessed by this time. Um, I know our listeners are going to be super blessed and I'm just grateful for the work that you're doing um, because man, I wish we would have known about you (laughs) years ago. Um, And uh, just everything you're saying, we totally agree with. And um, we're just super grateful for all the work that you're doing. So thank you. Yeah. Thanks for having me. You guys, I love your energy. I love your commitment. I love what you're doing to bless couples. I mean, we need more people like you guys. And I just am so thrilled to be a part of this with you guys for just a moment here. This is awesome. Thanks, Jeff. Well, it's been a privilege to have you on. Thanks for being with the Restored to More podcast. I'm yours until the end of time. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us today. Don't forget to subscribe to the show, follow us on Instagram, and sign up for the upcoming course. You can also connect with us on the Ask Us Anything page at restoredtomore.com. Also, quick note. All the work at Restored to More Inc., including this podcast, is made possible by our donors and financial partners. We wouldn't be here without those who have generously given to the cause of restoration. If you ever feel led to give, you can do so on the donate page on our website 